Thank you, everyone, for joining us again. This is Diego Ochoa, superintendent of the San Mateo Foster City School District, and I'm excited to be here again on the One SMFC podcast. This is a program where we bring together educators from our district, community members, students, and we sit down and we just talk about what matters to us as a district, and we share information, we give updates, we really start the conversation um, within our community. So we're excited to be here today. I have two of my colleagues. I'm going to let them introduce themselves to you. Well, thank you, Superintendent Ochoa. I'm Dennis Hills, Assistant Superintendent of Student Services. And I'm Heather Morgan. I'm the Director of Special Education. And you're the Director of Special Education now, but before then you were Principal of Bowditch Middle School. Principal of Bowditch Middle School. Go principal. Buccaneers. Yep, go what, Bucks. What do they say? Go Bucks? Is go that Bucks. The, go Bucks. And yeah. before that you were Principal of Highlands. Highlands. Mm-hmm. And what do they say there? What's the... Uh, they're the Bears. Okay, the Bears. Bears. Bear go. Pride, Bear Down. Go well, Bears. Go Bears. And before that, you were at Fiesta for... About a minute. A, for a cup of coffee. You yep. had a cup of coffee at Fiesta. <laughs> was that fun? It was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so, and now you're at the district office. You actually came to the district office just before the start of the school year, and you transitioned into this new role as Director of Special Education. I think it was in December. Yes. Something, something like that. Um, and we're excited to have you... One of the things that we're doing this school year in our communications process and in our engagement process is we're taking a topic like special education and we're layering it. So we started with a board workshop where we basically sat down. It was actually the three of us and our school board, and we just dug into our special education program. We looked at, um, for instance, where do our kids go to school? And in the schools that they're attending, what programs are there? And how are the programs at, uh, say, a school like um, Laurel, how are they different than the programs at Abbott? And what is the progression that kids will go to school? And so, Heather, talk for a minute about, um, as a school district, how we put together a program thinking about where a child is going to begin. And, you know, because we get them when they're three, and then we bring them until they're basically ready for high school when they're 14, 15 years old. So talk a little bit about that process, about, I guess, packaging it together is maybe the right way to say it. Okay. Yeah. So um, just in the last year, we've started organizing ourselves more into complexes. The four middle school, um, comprehensive middle schools are And that's a term we use, right? So like to parents that are out there, the word complex means like we have four middle schools, Mm -hmm. Bayside, Burrell, Bowditch, and Abbott. And we kind of connect elementary schools to them, and then we refer to that as a complex. A complex. So those four um, middle schools have feeder schools underneath them, and the students who live in those neighborhoods feed up into those middle schools as they grow. And what we wanted to do was make sure that there are programs in each of the complexes so that students in each neighborhood can attend a school in their complex. It might not be their exact neighborhood school, but we do want them to be able to go to school close to their home. And then as they are in those programs that we have a variety of offerings. So depending on what their needs are, maybe they are getting resource support, maybe they're in a mild mod um, special day class or even a mod severe special day class, they'll have those opportunities within their own neighborhoods. So as they grow, they can stay in their complex and stay with their neighborhood friends and family um, and then also be able to grow up through the middle schools in their neighborhood um, and as they progress through our schools in the system. It's kind of interesting too, Dennis, you have a background in special education. 
Is that right? That is correct. Yeah, tell us about that. Well, I went to school in Michigan to get a teaching credential, worked at a summer camp with uh, for students with special specific needs and fell in love with that yeah. and taught special education um, preschool through eighth grade yeah. and then became a school counselor. I did but, too. I was yeah. never a school counselor, but I taught special education as well. Yeah, so it's definitely a passion of obviously all of us here yeah. at the table. Yeah. Um, I, I love kids, but kids with unique abilities Individual really needs. draw me in. And that's what's interesting about just hearing Heather's description of the way we try to organize complexes so that, you know, I could stay, say, for instance, at Brewer Island, and then I can go to Bowditch, and then I can go to high school. But in reality, the classrooms at Brewer Island or Bowditch, they might have 11 kids in them, 12, 13 kids. But the reality is there's actually 11 different plans. Um, Talk to us, Heather, about the uniqueness of an IEP and what it means to, to actually have an IEP. Okay. Yeah. So each student um, that has an IEP, it, it's designed specifically for them. That's the whole point of the individualized educational plan. And so each student, um, depending on what their needs are, they have goals that are set. Um, and then we pro- we mark progress on those goals in annual meetings. And um, the the reason that it's individualized is because each student's needs are different. So no two students have the exact same IEP and um, the services and um, ways that we adjust our, our, the way we offer education for them will be individualized for each student's special needs. Yeah, it's pretty cool to think about it that way. It's mm-hmm. your, you Technically, you're teaching one class, but you really have 11 or 12 different plans in the same classroom. And in some cases, even more students, if you work with um, students with um, more academic needs in a resource specialist program. And when you when you sort of zoom out, so as right now we're talking about individual student IEPs, but when you zoom out, we came across um, an area of focus for us, Heather and, and Dennis, this, this summer we basically analyzed how many times we were referring kids for testing and what process we used to refer kids for testing. So Heather, talk to us a little bit about our you know, our impressions of Mm -hmm. how referrals for special education are working and what strategies we want to use this year to address the referrals. Okay, so we noticed um, in looking at the referrals and the assessments for students that we are assessing a lot of kids. Um, Yeah, because we're, we're sort of like in a we're compared to Redwood City, we're compared to Palo Alto, Mm -hmm. we're compared to San Francisco Unified. So we're not sort of on an island by ourselves. No, no. And there are sort of rates and percentages that are typical for right. assessments. and. Mm-hmm. So we um, typically it's about 10% yeah. is, is um, appropriate. And um, we had a spike. We, have, we were doing more assessments than we had in the past, and yeah. more students were qualifying for special education. But the concern is that we want to make sure that we're offering excellent interventions and initial instruction before we start looking at assessment for special education especially for general ed right because for general we have, education you know in many cases we'll have kids who enter our school district and have a pre-identified special need mm-hmm. they might have um, a um, learning disability that has been identified prior they might have um, uh, deaf and hard of hearing a vision a visual impairment things of that nature but a lot of students in special education end up being identified after they've joined yes. our district right So what we want to make sure we're doing is when they're in kindergarten, when they're in first grade, when they're in second grade, 
we want to identify a need and we want to provide tutoring and support and small group instruction in the general ed classroom because of this big concept called the least restrictive environment. Will you talk a little bit about the least restrictive environment? Sure, sure. So we are legally obligated to provide what is referred to as the least restrictive environment. And that means that students get to have as much access to their typical develop, typically developing peers as possible and, a, and access to a typical general education classroom as possible. And there's different layers of restriction um, that you can add to a student's program depending on what they need to be successful. Um, but our obligation as a school district is for it to be the least restrictive. So we need to make sure that we're giving those kids access to typically developing peers and the general education program and classroom and teacher. Yeah, and, and as a parent, you, you want to see your child in a second grade class. Mm -hmm. You don't want to find out that they have been pulled out Right. and set apart in a different classroom without the knowledge that it, the school district attempted different strategies before we got to that point, that we sat down and tried different things before we ended up getting to that place. Another area of focus for us is our test scores. And we, um, like all the other districts in the state of California, have our preliminary test scores. So we're not going to publish them just yet. But we are seeing some very positive special education test scores. Heather, I'm going to give you a minute to just talk about, you know, your reflection on mm -hmm. what you saw, those very initial test scores. What did, you, what did you get excited about? I was really excited because it shows that our students with disabilities um, are doing uh, better right now on those initial um, assessments that we looked at than they were pre-pandemic. Yeah, so kids last year. So kids last year did better, did better than kids than did students. three years ago yes. and four years ago. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, that's saying something. Let's give a round of applause for that, you guys. That's really. Thank you. You can clap too. Okay. There we go. Um, Dennis, you, you have the overarching responsibility over special ed. Special education is going to loop back around next semester. We're going to have another series of engagements like this related to special education. Talk about why for you as an educator, this is a program to always keep in the forefront. Why is it so important to focus in this way on special education? Well, that's a great question. All students should be given the access to a curriculum instruction and support based on their needs. Um, we want every student to thrive, to grow, get ready for that next stage of their lives, next grade, middle school if they're an elementary, high school if they're a middle school student, and then the opportunities as an adult to perhaps go off to college, have a career, do what they need to do in life to be successful and, and happy. It's That's the kind goal. of program where if we're getting this program right, then everyone's getting a good education in our school. Absolutely. If we can figure out how to offer really wonderful programs in our special education department, then we're in a really good place district-wide. Um, Heather, you, in your department, you supervise so many wonderful educators. Talk about from your perspective as the D director of special education, talk about the quality of the staff that work in our program. Oh, we have the most talented administrators, teachers. Um, I'm really, really pleased with the new structures that we have in place. We have assigned um, some excellent coordinators to each of our um, those complexes that I referred to earlier. Um, and actually three of our coordinators have actually served as directors in other districts during their career at some point. Top-notch people. Top-notch. 
very, very skilled. And others taught here. So they yes, know this place. And right? a lot of them are, yeah, from with from within, from they're, our own district. They're from here, from our district. And we have at the same time we have um, a lot of excitement and a lot of energy related to some of the reforms that we have going on within special education and just the way we are communicating more effectively about special education and trying to really build bridges with parents. Talk about your work with CDAC and talk about right. o- just overarching your work with parents. Yeah, so I started out last year um, just really reaching out to our community, getting um, just sort of on the ground information from what their experiences have been like and what issues they had and what things we could do differently to make their experiences for their children better. And um, using that information, I've moved forward and developed a really strong relationship with our CDAC, that's our special education um, district advisory committee. Sorry, there's a lot of letters <laughs> there, got them all. And um, the, you know, the families that are involved in CDAC, I work very closely with to really listen um, to what's important to them and to develop a relationship so that we can have really open and honest conversations about how their experience is going for them as parents and for their expectations for their kids and then their individual students' um, experiences at, at our schools also. Um, we have those meetings uh, monthly, and sometimes we bring in presenters to talk about topics that are important to families. Like, for example, some parents are saying, you know, when we have children with autism, we would love to know, like, do you have any resources when we go to the dentist office? Because there are certain things that, you know, stress my child out and how can we help each other? So they come together as a community to really share ideas and suggestions um, and also to know that they're not alone. And um, and that's just been a, it's been an excellent experience in getting to know the families and watching them just ha- have a network of, you know, friends and families that they can help each other. Yeah, it can be difficult to have a child with special needs and um, on an annual basis. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but um, school districts will often try to hold student IEPs um, on the day pretty close to the child's birthday. Um, So if you think about like your, you know, I have five children, you have their birthday, you're thinking about like cake and, you know, slides and party decorations. And if you're a parent for a child with special needs, you know, you're going to go to a meeting that's super intense and very stressful for you. And it's often on your child's birthday or the day before or a couple of days before. And it's, it's very important for parents to have community with each other mm-hmm. and to be able to, to get to know one another. So I really, I really feel wonderful about what the CDAC does to bring parents together in that way. And I, you know, just reflecting on, on your comments just now, what stood out to me was you used the phrase, listen to them. And I think that's a really important theme for this year with special education because I think it applies to everyone in our system. We want to listen to our students first and foremost. We want to, when they're telling us that we need to give them uh, more support, we need to listen to them and our staff. Our staff reaches out to us and you have wonderful structures in your department now to regularly meet with um, classified and certificated staff members, and certainly your administrative team. You have a really good structure to keep communication flowing with everybody. But then the last component is our parent group and really Mm -hmm. listening to our parent group. Because I think one of the takeaways from this podcast for our parents is to understand that special education is going to remain in the forefront for us. We're going to come back to this again in six months or so. 
And at the same time, we're here to listen to you. We want you to reach out to us. So when you have a concern, we want you to take that to your teacher right away, bring that concern, share that feedback, um, but understand that there's a structure here at the district to support school sites. And so you're not alone. We're here to work with you. And that, that sense of um, the close connection with our schools and with our families is really important to me. Um, as we move into um, the 22-23 school year and we're coming off a school year where our kids did better on state tests even than before a pandemic, I mean, think about that. Even then before we had a pandemic and we have some really talented people in our classrooms and here at our district office, and it just feels like we're headed in the right direction. It really does. Yeah, Dennis, talk a little bit about your view. You're supervising the department. What's your take on as we go into this school year and as it relates to special education? Um, well, I think you've said it really well, and both of you. Um, Heather, as the director, Heather Morgan's doing an amazing job of leading her team. The support from the superintendent, the school board, the parents. I know, Heather, you mentioned, and maybe you didn't, that with CDAC, it's such a big key part of that support system mm -hmm. for students and families. Um, Maybe a picnic is coming up. I don't know. Yeah. You did you? Yeah. Yeah. We're working on it. Yeah. The details aren't completely hashed out yet, but yeah. they will be. An opportunity yeah. to get families together. but A social. It, yeah. Mm -hmm. Having yeah. fun together. Um, everybody matters in our district, yeah. and that's really evident. And we just want people to feel good about their experience and feel supported. And as you said, heard. And it's you really have a important. big project, Heather, this year, the Inclusion Task Force. Yes. Talk to the parents for a minute about your plans for the inclusion task force. Right. So we started that work a little bit last year with the development of the strategic plan for the school district. And out of that um, came a task force that is designed specifically to do some deep research on inclusion to make sure that we're able to implement this in a successful and sustainable way for our district. And um, so I have compiled a group of um, stakeholders. I've got um, administrators, I've got parents, I have teachers, I have general, general education teachers, as well as special education teachers. And um, we're doing a deep um, research on um, the best, we're using a CDE publication called Inclusion Works as the beginning of the conversation. And then we have some other resources too that we're going to use as we meet monthly throughout the school year with the goal of a recommendation by about April for the school board and for the rest of the school district on what that inclusion will look like um, for the students with special education as they have more access to the general education setting. Right, and I think what's key about that is that, you know, this is a year-long project for you and, and the Inclusion Task Force, and the result is for us to be able to adopt strategies that apply to the whole district. Yes. But to do it in a way that is reasonable and uh, something that we can implement, actionable, um, and really does serve students, doesn't just serve an ideology. Like you, you might have somebody who says every child should be included 100% of the time, and that person, if they're not an educator, might find out that doesn't work for Dennis. Dennis has mm -hmm. an individual education plan that we need to exactly. implement. We don't, in special education, do something for everyone. Mm -hmm. That's the opposite of special education services, services which is, give every child what they need. So this is you're working in a lot of gray area, mm -hmm. and this inclusion task force is going to have a big job ahead of them to be able to land on a series of actions that we then implement 
in the whole district moving forward, starting in 2023, 2024. And it's going to be really wonderful work. We want to thank both of you for being with me today. Uh, you're coming back in our, in our next round of special board meetings, but you were both were wonderful. And thank you for being with us and thank joining us, us on the one pleasure. SMFC podcast.